You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. So uh, we were just talking about keyboards and the F lock key on a keyboard. On a Windows keyboard. And there's F something I want to say about it going off every time you reboot. Yeah, why do you have to reset it every time you reboot? Like, Somebody somewhere has surely has a hack or something you could do. Or maybe because you haven't got the drivers for that keyboard, you're just using the basic. Hmm. If you actually put the whatever the Microsoft driver. And then tell it to always come on. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we're just stupid. <laughs> you just, that just occurred to you right when you were talking. Yeah. Right? All right, then. So it's Sunday, August the 8th, 2010. This is after the show number 134. What? 134 is a lot. We're good, aren't we? We're well, good. That's good as in the eye of the be <laughs> listener. But uh, We might be poor to mediocre. <laughs> we're consistent. Poor to mediocre, but we've had 134. And we crank them out. <laughs> uh, yeah, week qu- after week. It's not, not about quality, just uh, quantity. quantity. So uh, the movie we're looking at this week is uh, James and the Giant Peach, the Blu-ray special edition. We'll have more to say about the special edition portion of it later. Everyone look up the definition of special edition while you're listening, and we'll see if it matches up to the reality. Yeah, exactly. So uh, this is a 1996 movie released on Blu-ray this Tuesday, 2010, Tuesday the 3rd of August to be exact. It's Blu-ray DVD slash digital... Let me just make, make sure it is... No, okay. It's Blu-ray and DVD only. No digital copy. Uh, Combo pack. Or you can just buy the DVD version. Uh, It's from our friends at Disney. And you're going to tell us about this movie. What do you mean, tell you about the movie? Am I the star of the show now? For the entirety of it? Um, James and the Giant Peach is a story of a little boy named James... And the appearance and uh, of a giant peach. The end. Use of a giant peach. <laughs> that is correct. It's a story about a young boy. Um, you know, so a lot of these stories, and no disrespect to you, because you have a a dead mother, but a lot of these stories start with dead parents, a young person, and they're left with horrible, wretched adults. That's as a lot of people can life, identify. Actually. Yeah. So I do identify. It's identifiable with. A lot of people, and then the down, the like. He's oh yeah, totally, Coraline or Harry Potter, or yeah. you know those. All those have start with some wretched story yeah. and fantastic, Mister Fox. You could say, you know, um, yeah, because the cousin yeah. something's mm-hmm. wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but he doesn't go to somebody horrible. And there's no bandit masks in this one. <laughs> A bandit mask. <laughs> so he's left with these horrid, horrible, wretched ants, which I cannot vouch for. These ants, I say, ants are awesome. These ants. Ants, as in women who are Austin? the Austin, awesome ants who are the sisters of either their mother or father. I I don't know if it's made clear. It's probably in the book, but not in no, the movie. They're very um, very bad. They're very horrible British women. So that's why they're horrible. Let's just make that oh, very just clear. Just because right? they're British. Because they're British and they have horrible wretched teeth and nasty accents, and it's like you're going back to. Oliver Twist or some shit, you know, where they're really horrible and they're making them do all their hard labor and they will and actually shit. beat you because they mention, yep. let's beat him, whip let's him, Let's beat him! Yeah. 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 And then he stumbles upon or someone finds him, uh, Mr. Postle, Postlethwaite. Pete Postlethwaite. Yeah. Who incidentally appeared in last week's movie, Correct. Clash of the Titans. Well, he's British and they're in everything, so they're everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, offers James um, a bit of magic. Um, and then... Uh, Come forth the peach and some giant bugs and an adventure across the ocean. 
Based and mostly it's about facing your fears and empowering somebody, even though I despise that word. It sounds so fucking boring. But giving someone the power in their own life to stand up and like face down their fears and face down the things that are oppressing them. Which is a popular... Uh, is another children's book where the wild things are mm-hmm. with this the same kind of theme that we just talked about um a kid who's facing his own yeah. deep is yeah dark, it's a very yeah. um a harry potter it's a very <laughs> it totally is isn't it that's how Can you, we stop telling the story you know now? what we've just figured out what how to write a kid's book <laughs> we did <laughs> let's do it <laughs> think of all the disney movies with dead parents yeah you've got bambi yeah right oh you just spoiled bambi for everybody <laughs> you've got uh, Pinocchio doesn't have dead parents. He has no parents. Um, Lion King. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. We, There's a lot of them. Yeah, we could just go through them all. Let's make that the show. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Next week is a special edition, 134 of <laughs> This is our Let's special a- edition. <laughs> yeah. Not, you know, Disney didn't do a good job with the special edition. We, we will. Anyway. We could, yeah. Uh, so... Getting off the synopsis onto the movie. Uh, I didn't actually see this movie at the time when it came out. Um... I'm surprised because I loved Nightmare Before Christmas, which this is the follow-up to by the same director. I mean, it's not... It has nothing to do with it. It's the film that he made after A Nightmare Before Christmas. So A Nightmare Before Christmas came first. And I love that and did see that at the time. So I'm surprised I didn't see James and the Giant Peach because I read this book as a child, read it at school, read it more than once as a child, and really liked it. I mean, I liked Charlie and the Chocolate Factory better in the Roald Dahl... This is based on a Roald Dahl book. I do like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And Roald Dahl is the guy who wrote Charlie and Chocolate Factory. Fantastic Mr. Fox. Fantastic Mr. Fox, James and the Giant Peach, Peach. etc. Glass Elevator. What's that one? Charlie and... That's the Charlie and Chocolate Factory sequel. Sequel, yeah. Um, Which has never felt right with me having a sequel to that movie. It doesn't need (laughs) it. (laughs) And it wasn't particularly good either, was it? So... I never saw it. Never even knew it existed. I read the book, I believe. Um... So yeah, that's what this that's what this movie is, and I'm surprised I didn't see it because I dig um, stop motion animation. I admire it. I there's something magical about watching it more than there is watching CG or like a Pixar thing. Or for me, this is effort. Yeah, it's a dying art. I think that this guy is keeping alive, and um, I mean. Coraline. The ones we remember recently is Coraline and Fantastic Mr. Fox. So Wes Anderson and this guy yeah, is yeah. single-handedly keeping this alive. Like Double, I see, double-handed. Yeah, I see it as um, something that will disappear completely. Oh, I disagree. I mean, hand-drawn animation will never go away. But this is so hard to do. It takes three years to make a movie. And these movies, like we said on this movie, it's 72 minutes long. They're particularly short. So was Coraline. So was Fantastic Mr. Fox. Cause, because... As they say, what is it? It takes like three years to make. Not necessarily. I think everybody has their own timetable. It took them three years to make this one. I mean, but I don't they, think it they've got to do twenty-four frames a second. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Yeah, I mean, it takes a week to do what but a then, minute of footage. If it's dying, then there aren't going to be people and industry out there that makes all the stuff for, say, for example, Mr. Fox, because everybody's in place. They've got puppeteers. They've got people who make the mechanics. They've got people who set up and who know how to build the sets. I'm just just afraid that it will go away. I disagree. Because I love it so much. And you you know why I love it so much? It it isn't highly saturated. Like, there's not billions of stop-motion animation movies. Whereas, like, now, Pixar-style movies, they're everywhere, right? In fact, our nephew said something to you the other day. What was he saying about that? 
uh, tell me any good animated movie that isn't Pixar. That isn't that kind of animation. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I mean, that's a young... No, specifically not Pixar. Right, so that's a young person of today who was brought up with Pixar animation. Right. And that's, that is animation to them, not hand-drawn stuff. That's old-fashioned. And, and this stuff, that doesn't occur to them. So, you know, Pixar and that, I love it. I love Pixar's work. I love other people's work with the CG stuff. But this really rings with me. I like it. And I think it's more magical because we don't see it every week. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and when we do see it, like Fantastic Mr. Fox recently and Coraline, and this one, this is new to me, it's it's amazing to me. I Even though James and the Giant Peach, it was, it's a bit dated. Um, a look, look-wise. Look-wise. Mm, is the, it really? The because... stop-motion animation is very good. Yeah, very I've got to say that. The movement of the pe- of the characters are really good. Yeah, yeah. It's just the lighting and the sort of griminess of it, even in parts when it shouldn't be. Like you, I think we're either spoiled, but I remember originally it it never seemed like bright and and you know, some, there are lots of daytime scenes, and it still seems a bit. Something dark. that dawned on me watching this movie, and this is interesting, right? This movie's what? What did we say? Fifteen years old, if that. It's not not a particularly long time ago. Um, and we watched Fantastic Mr. Fox just recently, which looks stunning. Yeah, like crispy clear. You could see every grain clear. of texture. It and was everything. in high definition. It was filmed with digital cameras. I, I, I'm guessing that is something that makes it look better. But it was stunning looking. I mean, I, I can't take my eyes off it. It's just like it's like a children's storybook alive. Yeah, yeah. Right. You're mesmerized. And, th- and this by one, it. James and the Giant Peach. And we just watched the Blu-ray edition, high definition, again. On a big screen. Yeah. Digital, it looked, digital it looked, projector. It looked blurry. Um, I, I can't say anything wrong about the stop motion animation. No, because no. It, it, it was as good as any it other It wasn't song. blurry like, oh my god, it's blurry. No, it, it had a, like... this softness to it. Almost like a DVD, like you said. I mean, because we watch a big screen, like a 103 inch screen. The so, beginning is supposed to be that way. Yeah, so but it, wasn't it, it, it continued on into the stop motion animation. It's not the same, but you just never get like when you see one of them really close up. You now we're so used to like seeing every little texture yeah. like on well, the bits Mr. of the grasshoppers. We said like look at the bandit mask. You can even see what's stitched on it, like yeah. small little details. Um, Fantastic Mr. Fox pants. You could see every like the, like crease the texture in it of the texture. Fat, yeah. texture of the that pants. isn't. It's the that kind of fine detail is not nowhere to be seen on this movie. It's very sad too because it it puts a barrier between you and getting lost in it. And I don't know if that's just because we are spoiled now and we you know the experience now is oh I just want to get you know jump into it and like see like we've come. Well, but that always that felt like it pushes you away. Like you're aware this is an older dated kind. And of that movie. shouldn't matter no. because Wizard of Oz. Yeah, Wizard instance, of Oz was perfect. Which, you know, is a film from when? 1939. Right? Uh, we watched it on Blu-ray. It looked so sharp and crystal clear and colourful that it was made yesterday. Yeah. It's amazing. Like, that film is so... And even that one, when I'm watching, and the scarecrow's, the texture of the scarecrow's you know body and stuff, stuff, it's like, yeah, you didn't never notice it before. And this is only 15 years old and you don't get that. That's what I was boggled by. Like, this is a 15-year-old movie, which isn't particularly old anyway. I mean, we were, no. st- we were still adults when it was out, right? <laughs> yes. Um, so it's not a long time. Some ago. would argue, but yes. Yeah. But how far things have come or 
how well yeah any movies from that time when this came out they seem old like it, it, things have changed haven't they like quickly that's why it kind of that's you think kind lighting, of lighting to me is the main issue that when they're doing those sessions of recording say for example the one close up of the centipede guy saying nice shot you know where he rubs his jaw and his mouth kind of wiggles and the background's moving that shot alone probably took somebody three days right in those three days, if you don't have the same extremely bright, vibrant Which light you beating down on you. But imagine that day after day for three years, keeping it consistent with the super brightness from every direction. I think that's the problem. It doesn't seem like there's... It's not like the lighting comes and goes. It's like it's all a little bit dull, and there's not that boom. And we know what Blu-ray's capable of. The movie's done on Blu-ray... Even older movies, we just mentioned The Wizard of Oz. We, we've seen lots of older movies that look stunning, like on Blu-ray. So Blu-ray's capable of making an old film look amazing also. This one, it doesn't... Godfather? Yeah, when you said that this was just pretty much looks like a DVD, I yeah. tend to agree. Um, apart from, on occasion, there was like just a, a couple of things where I was like, okay, that's... When it's really bright, His that shot looks pretty His dream sequence, when he's dreaming that his head is on the bottom... It's like the... It looks like... Um, it looks like Monty Python. Monty Python, That looked right. really that good. That looked really good. It, was more, it wasn't bright still, though. That's the thing. The brightness. The, this guy seems... Well, as mentioned on a review I just read about this guy, he's into the goth kind of um, dark side of things. Hmm. Hence Coraline. It's pretty a dark kind of tone to it. Nightmare Before Christmas also, right? So maybe that was his envision, but when you've got, in the live-action portions of this movie, when you've got Pete Postlethwaite with his face right in the camera, like, I mean, it's a close-up of his face, and you can't really see detail on him. Like, see, it's not, that isn't my problem. It's always just the dark... It's like there's, a, like there's an umbrella over everybody's head blocking the light. You know yeah, I know, I mean? but I mean, there was a scene with Pete Postlethwaite looking really close at the camera, and his eye... It, it was so dark... And it wasn't. It's. It's not that. Well, we're making it out to sound like it's all like you're like it's dark, dark. It's just not bright. It's very dark in scenes. There's scenes where it is so dark, it's slightly muddled of what what the the one scene in particular where they're inside the peach and it's rolling. Yeah. And the lights are off, and before he says turn the lights on. Yeah. It. Which is clear that bit me. Which is clear that's supposed to be dark, so that didn't yeah. bother me because she turns on the light and everybody brightens up. But overall, I really like the movie. It's just, it's got some of. There's something about it that's slightly. I think you know extreme... what I don't like. I'll tell you what I don't like: those live action sequences. Yeah, me either. I wouldn't. Uh, there's not to spoil things because, but the live action sequences that bookend the movie basically. The, the ones at the end were horrible, I thought. Yeah. I mean, I mean just in, in terms of everything. You know what it reminded me of? Like Annie. Like a stage Like play. a really crappy, like, um, stage play. Yeah, You're yeah. right. And, and ba- bad acting, like, from everybody. In- well, including people who did pretty good in the middle, in the beginning of the movie. I think stage acting. Really over the like, top like, stage I know that I'm not... That's probably what they were trying to achieve, right? That kind of... But it just didn't gel for me after what I'd just seen. Like yeah, it didn't the, make you feel the triumphant whatever. It made you no, feel kind of like, ooh, I just stepped... I'm not watching a Broadway play. That's kind of how I felt with that. 
Yeah, and the middle part of the movie, all the stop... From when it becomes stop motion to when it is not stop motion <laughs> anymore, I really like. Yeah, yeah. But those be- the beginning part... Um, I love Joanna Lumley. The, story, the setting still- of the story... Um, you could have set it up in stop motion for me. I, I don't think the director was saying, well, I wanted like a big... Like, yeah. oh, look, now now it's stop motion. Uh, like, what a surprise. Well, no, I, I would have... Like, Fantastic Mr. Fox is stop yeah. motion the entire time and I was completely mind blown throughout the entire thing. So, I don't think that actually came off. In fact, the ant, because of the extremity of their behavior... Right, I know in Harry Potter, the aunt and the uncle are really shitty and really over the top. But that whole, for some reason, it, it's just enough. Whereas in this, they've made these real live women so over the top, nasty and horrible, that it's like, like you're watching someone in costume and in makeup that's so outrageous, right. you're, it takes you out of it. Whereas if you made them stop frame animation, animated creatures. It would have totally fit because they're so outrageous. You could have kept them really nasty. Like there's one sequence where they are soft frame animation. You know when they come up out of the car in his dream, yeah, and they're all weird. Not yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. If they had been that in the beginning, you would have totally. I think it would have felt more like, less like, okay, okay, we've got these horrible ants and they're really horrible, horrible. It just kind of was hammering you over the head with it. Whereas if you made them cartoons or I don't know if you call them cartoon puppets, yeah. It would have just settled better. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's, it's a weird movie. So, like, technical problems aside on the on the transfer or whatever, um, you saw it in the theater and you say you remember it kind of. Yeah, yeah. I remember the front being the the kind of dreamy looking and. So okay, so maybe it preserved that vision. (laughs) But overall, like the movie itself, James and the Giant Peach. What I remember of the book, I really loved. Right. I mean, I read the book when I was at school, so it's a long time ago. But I do remember enjoying the book. Like, I wanted to read it, not that I had to read it. Which is always a good thing, right? Um, but the movie, like, you know when you put things down as a classic in your mind? Because, yeah. like, I can just go and pull out Nightmare Before Christmas at any time and watch it and always enjoy it. Uh, this isn't. I'm not particularly into musical numbers. There are some in I this movie. I think that might have been another reason I wasn't a Well, there's musical numbers in Nightmare Before Christmas, right? Um, and yeah, they're, but they're not bad. There's... I like them. <laughs> it seems... The musical numbers in this better. one are very They're like out old of place. School. It's old school. Like where he's sat at the very beginning, in uh, where he's just been told to go to his bedroom, and he's in the bedroom, and then he just suddenly bursts out into song. When that happened, I didn't know this was a musical, to be honest. I, well, it isn't really a musical. No. There's a couple of musical numbers. Maybe three. Um, I didn't know that they existed in this movie at all. And when he started singing, I was like, oh, God, come on, no. Because it does something in me. So is Charlie Chocolate Factory. It... She, the the mother sings, the boy yeah. sings, the grandpa sings. There's the you know, dun, yeah, dun, yeah. Dun, 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 you know, like so. But something but it in this, blend. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it felt real stagey, like you said, and um, very I, like you could have gone. I was thinking to myself, I wonder if this was a stage play first, mm. and then they turned, and then they decided to make a movie because it told this movie makes you feel. Like you should just be sitting in an audience in a in a big theater and watching. So to that. stop this becoming classic status for me, whereas like Gene Wilder's <laughs> Willy Wonka, it's a classic to me. I can sit and watch it. It's a simple story. It's really fun. It's fun even if you're 40 years old. It's fun. You know, can't deny everybody would like to go to an amazing chocolate factory and experience it. Um, maybe not. With a weird experience guy. Experience the stuff that happens. <laughs> but, uh, 
this is a cool the story itself is cool but the way it is portrayed and I kind of like the Tim Burton Henry Selick mm-hmm. vibe where they make things slightly dark not I mean tone, tonally dark and slightly different to what you think the book of James and the Giant Peach is I mean it's not exactly the same it's got a twist on it I like that but it's the live action sequences the singing parts which I disliked all three of them if there was three maybe four um, and the I don't like that way it was sandwiched the stop motion was sandwiched in between the two crappy live action parts um it, so basically, you didn't like it. <laughs> I, no, it's, it's, I mean, kind, it's, it's like, kind of hard because it is hard because you. Lo- I love. Char- I love the middle part. Not Charlie. I love the middle part of the movie. Yeah, James and his story, and you know, you don't want a little guy to be. And I, I identify with it because yeah, and I don't, and I, I don't identify with it personally, but I think oh, so many people get beaten down when they're children because the adults around them are fucking assholes, right? And that is the part when I'm watching this little kid and the kid's fantastic. He does a good voice. Then they did the animation of his face really nice and he does a really good job in both ends. He's the good thing about the live action. Yeah, he is. I don't mind. He's really good. He's not... He's not theatrical Everybody's humming it up. You know, when when the policeman appeared at the end and I said, oh, it's that guy. I was like... That's the worst guy you could have picked. He's so theatrical. He's like not even funny. He's like he really usually is. a wise guy, a mafia guy, and you just kind of laugh at him. He's so bad. Like he really is. Always. He's the guy from uh, Dumb and Dumber who, when Jim Carrey says, "Do you want to hear the most annoying sound in the world?" And it was ah. all, it was almost like when they were picking, so they, were, they were like, "We well, want to be really theatrical. Who would be like, like a who would be a real co- New York of, cop? Who would guy. be one of those? Oh, that guy. Like he's uh, well, it's you don't. I don't think they thought. But, of it. Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's almost the most obvious person to put in that if in you fact, want it to feel. That was like 1996. That. So who knows? He might have just been nothing at all then. You feel like you've seen him in a million films, don't you? Anonymous, famous. Don't know his name, and you probably didn't put him on the list, did you? No. <laughs> so, um, I think the boy, the story of a boy or any child. Okay, Matilda. Oh, that's one of my recommendations. I couldn't think Is of it one. hard to recommend to a, a modern day who are used to Toy Story and the no. you know, movies of a similar movies with a similar message up? Um, I think I would recommend it to kids for sure. Do you think they will think this is kind of shitty? Not unless you tell them before no, they I mean, watch just, it. Yeah, I mean, little kids they don't get. I think up to about. Seven eight years old, I think that the the fantastic because the story it. is definitely um, a story kids should read. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, maybe, tell them to read, read the, the book, book yeah. instead. But Matilda is one of those two where yeah, absolutely. You want I want that person, that young person, to have a chance in life and not be the fears and the anger from the grown ups all around them and just bust out of that. And that's what I love. And he does a fantastic job. You know, I'm not a huge fan of every voice in the movie. I mean, I Actually, like them all. Where, um, when you say Matilda, where the wild things are also applies to that. Absolutely. Like, because... Yeah, but he's not held back by anything except himself. There's nothing in his life that's holding him down. It's his own anger. It's I really like... I, I mean, his father's Thinking dead. back at that movie, I really liked it. <laughs> I mean... You liked the theme. I really did, and that boy was, like, something else, I think. He was really good, but his is a different thing. He's got a mother who loves him and a sister, and they're they're fine. They may not be rich or anything, but I mean, he's got his father died or he's gone. Got some, yeah. Father's gone or dead? I can't remember. Gone, I think. Right. So his problem is inside him. He's facing his anger, whereas these other kids are being 
pushed down by jerks and, you know, Matilda's parents are horrible and James's aunts are terrible and that's the part Caroline, that I like to was see. Caroline? Um, they, she, oh, the parents were too busy for her. Um, she writing. wanted another, yeah, she wanted another mother. And they, yeah, and they were, yeah. Both, they, they were both like... Ignoring her. Caroline, just do your own thing. Yeah, so yeah. she wasn't... Lonely, mean. she was. So she was also needed to conquer her own, yeah. like... So mean. a lonely kid makes yeah. up a world... Maybe or maybe doesn't. Yeah, yeah. To, you know, like where the wild things are, somewhere to express themselves. Why can't we all just be happy when we're children? I don't know. And why is that the <laughs> literal? Why do we grow up to be asshole adults who treat children in bad ways? It's just pathetic. Yeah, and literally that theme, what we just covered out of five, four or five kids' movies, is literally the catalyst for most children's books. Like yeah. most of them. So Fear and being treated badly. So why are we, te- why are we teaching kids that before the time, like? I mean, why are we making kids read books about, like... like because kids you, are... you have to assume, unfortunately, that children either are being treated badly or being treated ignored or whatever, or they feel like they are. Mm. So that if you put in someone's... You know, a lot of kids think they're being treated badly but when they're, they're not. Absolutely privileged, um, you know. But if you give them a story where, you know, other people know how you feel, because here's a story about a character who knows how you feel, but... Why can't so, we all just not be jerks? That's yes. why I don't have children because I can't. I couldn't face the the whole thing of it. Like anything I would do or say wrong would make that human being go on into the world and have other human beings, and it would just be like a ripple in a pond. And parents, go, oh, I'm just trying my best. I'm just doing my best. Well, your best probably probably not. I mean, some parents, I I good. I, I mean, not yeah. everybody's a dick. <laughs> yeah, but there are a lot. So, well, these stories come from somewhere. So James, yeah, obviously. So James and the Giant Peach, um, it's it's hard. It's really a hard one to recommend or not recommend because I like a portion of it, which is really weird. For I me. would recommend it just because the dude, the little dude, is really good, and because I but like to keep the. I don't idea think I've ever come to the end. Alive. I don't think I've ever come to the end of a movie uh, trying to sum up a movie and say, "Well, I liked a little bit of it." Like, well, not a little bit of it, the main portion of it. I mean, the two bookend parts are the shortest parts. I mean, the big part is the meat's in the middle. That's interesting because that's like first and last impressions stay with you and you, the middle gets lost. Because while you're watching the middle, it does, you're loving it. And then the book, it, the end You know comes, what I think of And it now, wipes it away. If you, if you say James and the Giant Peach, do you know the scene that's in my mind? Um, the, the policeman Aww. talking to them all. Don't think of it that way. Well, I mean, because that's the last bit, right? So, um, I mean, the, it's the... Yeah, it is. It's the, I just remember that. Think of uh, when that. it's yeah. rolling down and then it picks up the fence and then it plops I should, into the water. What, yeah, all that was amazing. Yeah. And that the seagulls was, carrying them away. Yeah, I, I think there was also cruelty to birds going on in there this There was movie. a lot of animal cruelty. You mentioned <laughs> the, the magic comes from some very questionable Pets animal wouldn't cruelty. Like this one. Vegans wouldn't like this one. I don't, no. And if they did, they might In fact, when they were doing inside. the cruelty to birds, I kept thinking to myself... That's horrendous. It is horrendous. <laughs> Those birds. And then there was a bit later where like the birds where he looked up and the birds were still pulling the peach. And I was like, Those birds like these the the guys on the peach they they've not ate anything because they had one piece of bread. Yeah, yeah. Those birds are not eating shit because they're tied up. <laughs> and they've been flying like from what, England to New York. 
I was thinking, yeah, that's really bad. Hopefully, so. other other young children will also notice that. Yeah, it was, that's funny. Like cynical old mind watching it, thinking <laughs> those birds are being true. No, I think that's completely opposite. I think you're looking at from a little young mind thinking that's not a very nice thing to do to birds. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I couldn't help think it. And when they got a piece of bread out, I was like, well, them birds need something to eat. They're pulling you along. <laughs> anyway. Um, so this this is uh, the cast. I only wrote down a few people. I mean, obviously, there are some live-action performances. Um, live-action performances, and then there are some voices. Yeah. Uh, Simon Callow is the grasshopper. The grasshopper's awesome because it reminds me of the grasshopper from... The books. Like, yeah. I mean, it almost looks the same character design. It's cool with the monocle. Yeah, yeah, and he's you got know? like the layers of his face. I really like that's it. the one Robotic character almost. I wanted to see more uh, detail of. Yeah. Oh, that uh, shark was awesome. I forgot about the shark. Actually. The shark was, was the really best good. part of the movie. Actually, the best um... animation. Are we talking about the cast now? Yeah. Because James, uh, Paul Terry, has done nothing else except a show called Microsoap from 1998. Did he die? I don't want to say something horrible and... Uh, well, you're not going to say something horrible about James. Well, I know, but that... I mean, like, oh, why hasn't he done anything? Well, maybe, you know, so say. Simon Callow, um, voice, plays the grasshopper. Famous English actor. You probably won't recognize his voice, though, if you're American. Because mm-hmm. uh, you're probably not familiar with him. Richard Dreyfuss plays the centipede. Completely lost on me that it was Richard Dreyfuss, because I had no idea. Me too. I agree completely. Um, I didn't even know until I looked at that. Thing. Yeah. Uh, Joanna Lumley plays Aunt Spiker... She also, she well, she does appear in the live action sequences. I really like Joanna Lumley. She also appears in Coraline as the voice of, I yeah. said to you, there's a similarity between Coraline and this. because She does an evil yeah, kind of character. Yeah. Um, I like her. I think she's, she's probably the best, apart from Pete Postlethwaite, probably the best live action thing in this. Yeah, because you're just like, look how, I mean, she looks like she's dead. And if you're American, you'll know her from Absolutely Fabulous on BBC America. If, uh, it was on MTV for a long yeah, time. Yeah, well, um, you'll know who she is. Um, and Susan Sarandon does the spider, and I, she was lost on me too, because I didn't... None of these... Um, you didn't even put the kid who did James. No, I did not. <gasps> okay, let's talk about Paul Terry before you do that. He announced after... He announced he would never act again after he was bitten in the spider scene in James and the Giant Peach. He's been on the book covers of the book series of Microsope. I don't what, know what that what is. What does that mean, bitten? Bitten by a spider. A real spider. That's what I said. And he would never act again. And it says he is in 2005, which was five years ago, he was in his second year studying German and mechanical engineering at Cardiff University, which is in England. Wales, to be exact. Paul, he is the basis for a band called Glass Apple, which is at glassapplemusic.com. And um, so that's, he didn't act again after that. So that's interesting. Well, cool. There's a little one performance that never and he was really good I mean he was in my mind he was as good as any other kid you see in a well, I think he was better he was better than the kid from Charlie and Chocolate Factory that kid was too to me I liked him one. yeah the old one. one he was very theatrical but that was the day like the acting from that day was a little extra sappy this kid I felt like I was like oh I wonder what else he's been in yeah I know nothing <laughs> uh, obviously um Tim Burton's got a fascination with these Roald Dahl old children's yeah. stories because he's going through them. To, you know, Alice in Wonderland, all of them. He's going through them all, isn't he? All the classics. Uh, Roald Dahl did not write Alice in Wonderland. I'm not saying. I'm saying going through the English classics. Then. Oh yeah. Let me. Um, Charlie and Chocolate Factory. Uh, Alice in Wonderland. Oh, he's doing uh, Frank 
can we need? That's not a. That's not. A, that was his own creation. That's his own creation. Um, and I'll say now, I didn't like the original, and I, I'm not looking forward to the new one. It's in 3D. Great. <laughs> Susan Sarandon. Um, yeah, I didn't know it was a. I, I literally didn't know the Spider Lady. Yeah. I love the spider. It was my favourite character. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know it was Susan Sarandon, though. (laughs) I thought it was a European actress of some... Was it French or Russian? Kind of French, I think. I think, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think the stripy body was supposed to signify she was French. Really? You know, like a French... No, I never understood that. Why did this French thing... Mime artists on the street. It became a... That's where it started. I love being known for that. That's where it started. Onions. Beret. Why onions? Onion sellers on the streets of Paris. Why? It's just it's a common. It was a common thing throughout the twenties and the thirties. Mm. Carried it, uh, it just one of those things. You know where they wore them as a no and sold them. Well, they wore them around the neck basically the onions, and then sold them to passers-by like a street trader. Because hmm. onions, um, France, right. France is a uh, you know renowned onion for, capital. Renowned for fine cuisine. Onions are used in a lot of cuisine. <laughs> I think you're piecing that together there. No, that's it. So, um, yeah, Pete Postlethwaite plays Old Man is his ter- is narrator, Old Man. Kind of like... Mysterious bloke. Throws the magic in the works. I like Pete Postlethwaite. I can't say I don't. I mean, I just like him. Like, he's got something about him that... Was he in The Full Monty? Might have been. Don't know. Um, he was in Brassed Off. Which was like the full Monty, but for brass bands with you and McGregor. Do you remember that one? No, I never saw that one. It was actually really good. No, um, no. But I, I get the feeling he was like getting naked or something. Or something. <laughs> which? Oh my god. Which might or might not be a pretty sight. Um, he was in Eon Flux. That's the one that I've clicked. Yeah, he was in Eon Flux. Yeah, Constant was one of Gardner. Those. When was um, what you're asking me about? Full Monty, nineties, uh, early nineties, I guess. Full Monty's not... I don't see it. Do you see Brass Off, though? Um, Early no. 90s. Going quite quick, but... No, I don't see it. All right, Pete Postlethwaite, famous English actor. probably seen him Brass Off, yes. Yeah, Brass Off, totally. <laughs> Brass Off, if you've never seen Brass Off, uh, listeners out there, it's like The Full Monty, but it's about a... It's really cool, because it's like a British movie set in a small, like, um, countryside town where they have a brass band... Like that performs at, at marches and stuff, and a group of unlikely brass band members, including you and McGregor, get together to weekly to practice to be in this brass band. It, it's got a vibe of the Full Monty because it's like people who you don't expect. And they get naked. No, <laughs> it's not that. It's about. It's not like killing. It's about a, a, the group, a, a group of people of in the Full Monty women. who become strippers. Strippers, the group of men. They're not typical strippers. Or like calendar girls when the unlikely group yeah, of exactly. ladies get together. Brastoff to fits with those. Okay. Yeah. Well, you British people are interesting. Well, calendar girls was a true story. So um, this is directed by Henry Selick, uh, who also directed The Nightmare Before Christmas, Coraline, and Monkey Bone, which I don't like. Brandon Fraser yeah. and an and a animated monkey. Um, do you like Henry Selick's? Yeah, I do. I think. Um, I mean, he needs to just back up a little well, bit sometimes. Coraline, I think, was excellent. Really good, and that was his latest. Also thing. dark, though. I mean, visually dark well, as well I liked as it. thematically dark, which I like. But I think he needs to just step back a bit and turn the lights up a little. <laughs> 
You think he needs to uh, up Tim Burton? We had a couple of light bulbs to the set. <laughs> Tim Burton rubbed off on him a bit too much. He got really dark. No. Because if you think of Tim Burton's Sweeney Todd, there's a dark there's movie. There's a dark movie, but that's awesome. Oh my yeah. god. I mean, it's supposed to be, though. It's Victorian England with no lights. And people eating people. Yeah. So it's like... Candles sorry. only for light, right? So it's it's not electric. There's no electric lights. But still, it, it looks good, so... Yeah, but there's a dark movie. We hung up it. on the darkness, I think. All right, so uh, this is where we get into the point where we review the DVD extras, Blu-ray extras in this case. <laughs> and don't um, blink because you're going to miss it. And I must say, on the front of the box, uh, it says Disney, James and the Giant Peach, special edition, and it makes quite a big noise about it being the special edition. Now, it might be the special edition in terms of it's the best version of James and the Giant Peach available because it's the, the high-definition version. That doesn't say a lot, though, because it didn't look yeah. p- pristine. I must say the audio was the best thing about it. The audio, in terms of presentation, transfer-wise, the audio did stand up to a modern-day Dolby surround. You know, it was Dolby. It was all surround sound, and it sounded really good. Picture didn't come through as well. Um, this, I like the cover. The cover yeah. has the peach on it, and it's a special edition. It's a little too busy with that sticker and stuff. <laughs> That's just... Uh, Assholes. Um, more, more jerks in the world putting stickers on the cover. So you get... The, this is a two-disc combo pack. It comes with the Blu-ray and the DVD feature film. Now, when it comes to special edition, writing special edition on something, I think they're misrepresenting this version of the... If it's special because it includes a Blu-ray and a DVD, well, that's not really special anymore. What sh- a special edition should mean, for me, at the bare minimum, a, a director's commentary... I mean, that should just go as... An updated commentary. A director's commentary. A remastered movie, possibly, for a special edition. Maybe a director's cut. Maybe deleted scenes. Behind the scenes Those things should exist. Okay, this has... None of that. Wait for it. This has... um, The new Spike the Ants interactive game inspired by the end credits of the movie. Um, So, Spike the Ants interactive game... Uh, we played it before we saw the end of the movie, which is interesting. But it's rubbish. It's a pile of shit. You press one button on your Blu-ray remote. I mean, this couldn't even keep a child entertained for more than a minute, two mm-hmm. minutes. You press start, and it, if you've seen the end credits of... If you stayed after the end credits of uh, James and the Giant Peach, there's a bit of a scene with a like a fairground game. A mechanical game, Which right? is Spike the two ants with a, with a hippopotamus. Oh, rhinoceros. Rhinoceros, sorry. Um, so that's what this game is. You press a button and you hit them and they spin around. And literally that is it. Yep. I, I, I played it twice because I said to you, there's got to be more to it than that. But it's exactly the same thing. Um, it's really bad. Yeah. Um, so, there, yes, there's a game. And it you will find much better games on Facebook. Where it says games and... Activities? There's no activity. Just that one Just thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. The menu looks cool. Yeah, it has, it has Disney's usual menu. It, it does look pretty cool. It's, it's not um, as good as Alice in Wonderland with the changing no, background. No, it is not. No. But... Um, and then it also has... Uh, it says, Spike the Ants interactive game. Ring up major points as you play a fun-filled game. <laughs> you can get some... Yeah, you do get points. Uh, not points as in like... Nothing. You just, just get points. like a score. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and then the de- the extras are, and this is where this I don't feel this is a special edition. They're the extras from the old DVD version, just ported over, and it's one extra. Yeah. Uh, actually, one extra, which is a behind-the-scenes look that lasts four minutes, 
that is presented in standard definition but in the wrong aspect ratio, <laughs> first off. And it's not behind the scenes at all. It's just kind of a... It's Disney's voice guy yeah. going over saying, James and the Giant James Dyke is a wonderful movie with voices by... Like that kind An of adventure for all to... Uh, you know, yeah, like it's pretty that. bad. Uh, it is bad. It's, it's not worth your time. Um, so there's that. And then there's also uh, Good News, the music video performed by Randy Newman. Um, not really into no. Randy Newman stuff, so no. I didn't watch it. Um, and original theatrical trailer and... Interestingly enough, not mentioned on the back of this Blu-ray as an extra, not mentioned at all, is um, Art Gallery. They don't mention that that's on it, but there is one. So you do get something... That's the special edition. They don't tell you that you get that, and you do. Describe the Art Gallery. Yeah, the Art Gallery is interesting because... All right. Well, no, it isn't. So you click an image, uh, storyboards, on-the-set images, etc. Now, you've got got a Blu-ray player, high-definition player got a big t- TV or even a medium TV and you click one and it takes up about I'd say 15% of the TV the actual picture with a big border of nothing peach the whole background is peach yeah, that's what I mean and then the picture that you're looking the at the picture's is like like, like a Facebook thumbnail in the middle of the screen yeah it's little yeah, it's, it's, it, but you can't see anything. I mean, detail. I would li- I'd like to look at concept art, but it wasn't worth it. You could, I mean, we were looking at it, and it was probably 30 inches across, and still it was... Yeah, like, on a 103-inch screen, it still looks small. That's 104. I'm not being snotty, but I made it, so I'm telling on you. On a 103-inch screen, it still, <laughs> looks, it still looks small, though, is what yeah. I'm saying. So if you're looking <laughs> at it on your 20-inch monitor, it's going to be so small. Yeah. I mean, and you can't see any detail in the pictures. It's a shame, because... On all Blu-rays, they should be full screen. Because we were so hungry for some extras, that would have been good. I would have looked through them. And that's it. That's that's the... I mean, there's a DVD. There's a four-minute behind the scenes, some pictures, a DVD. The DVD of the movie And is there is BD in. Live, but we don't know what it is. Cause and, be, and interestingly enough, this movie came out Tuesday, as I said at the beginning, Tuesday the 3rd of August. When I click the BD Live function on the menu, it, and we are connected because the green light is on, it says... This uh, feature is not available yet. Which I said to you, oh, it's probably because it's not out yet, this movie, but it's but been it out is. a week. Yeah. So, that's the movie in full. The DVD's, uh, the Blu-ray is lacking, in my opinion. Definitely. It's um, a good movie. I mean, it's a good... It's not a big, nice experience like you want for those kind of stories to be. That's my problem with it. I think... There's it's a lovely fun story. to be had there, and you know, if you're a fan of stop motion animation, you will get a kick out of it. If you haven't seen it, like me, yeah, because the stuff when you look at how the characters move and stuff, it's really well. It's like all smooth, and I like that. But then the darkness just build it messes me up. But the the actual overall story of the movie yeah. is good. So it's weird. It's hard to recommend because. When it says special edition and it not really, isn't really a special edition. True. In fact, it isn't at all a special edition. Where's the commentary? I mean, where's <laughs> the director commentary? Like, on a movie like that, there must be loads to say about it. It's just strange. Because, like, Nightmare Before Christmas had a commentary. Several commentaries, actually. So, Did it? Well, it had Tim Burton and mm. um, Selick. So, yeah. Um, in conclusion, it's not a buy for me. If you've got young kids, I don't even think it... I think it's just a... I disagree. I think young kids will watch it lots of times. You think? The $30... Because, I mean, there's a giant spider, and he's turned into a cartoon, and they eat a big giant peach. You know what I mean? Little kids are going to love it. Yeah. It's hard. And considering the and... Considering the 
how poor it looks for a high definition transfer of a movie and it looks fairly poor a lot of the time um, and the lack of stuff it's hard to uh, say go and mm-hmm. get it I, I feel like I don't feel like there'll be a better version ever I think that I think they've spent their money on putting the that one out special edition I think that <laughs> was it wasn't it that was the sh- that was the one that came out and that's the one I guess if they get enough crap for this one they might try it again but... no I think they're done I think if you so if you want the best version of it that's the one to get but I can't say that that's high yeah. praise um so thanks to Disney for the <laughs> review and for the review copy. And in conclusion, I say rent. Um, yeah. If you haven't seen, watch it, but rent it. Yeah, but if you already own it on DVD because it was out on DVD several years ago, I don't feel like it's you should buy it again. The the high definition. The, then again, the DVD might look really. The bad. DVD might look really poor, and the DVDs included in there. We should uh, should have a look. <laughs> but I mean, I, I can't say it look any worse. I mean, it probably does look worse. Um, so thanks read for the book read the book contest uh, you can enter a contest this week we've got a new um, another red versus blue halo we're actually going through the entire series giving them away nice. um, so we've got the very latest one so if you want to go and win a copy of red versus blue halo uh, go to aschoolie.com and you can click and win next week's uh, blu-ray review will be repo men Ooh. on uh, blu-ray which is uh Jude Law yeah. and um, Why do you keep looking at my computer? I'm just wondering what you're doing. I'm looking at that. Oh, looking at the <laughs> Yes. It's like you're spying on me. So um, Repo Man, uh, what's he called? Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. It's not Repo Man, which I'm not I... a huge fan of Forrest Whitaker, so I'll have to say I've only liked a couple things, so Well it's not Repo Man, which I love. Yeah. Yeah, Alex Cox, Repo Man. Um, no, With Emilio Estevez and Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah, it's awesome, that movie. Um, so, so let me guess what your recommendation next week's going to be. <laughs> well, this has nothing to do with that. Let I know me, it isn't, yeah. but your recommendation will be. So uh, movie recommendations this week, I'm going to go for Fantastic Mr. Fox and Coraline because it's hard not to recommend those two movies after seeing... Like, after watching James and the Giant Peach, I had a hankering to see more stop-motion animation and those two just popped right into my head. So I what? think Mr. Fox is just mesmerizing. It might be the best of them all, like, because I love Wes Anderson, yeah. and it's a Wes Anderson movie, and it's super bright, and, and it's super... a Wes Anderson movie, absolutely. And it's got real attitude, yeah. You know, it borderlines on pretentious sometimes. And it's got a it's... bandit mask. Is that it for your recommendations? You ate through those, quite Mr. Fox quickly. and Coraline. Yeah, yeah. Mine are because I think classic to me classic as in the last 20 years um stop frame animation wallace and gromit is some of the best comfort stop frame animation it's yeah. british not the movie not like what not the wear hair or whatever but the actual original yeah, wallace and show. gromit shows because you just see the effort like and it's funny and it's really i don't know you just get like sucked into it totally i love it you went to see one of the movies and fell asleep didn't you i did well, I had felt I'd been work. I'd been up the whole day before, worked all night, and then up all day again. That's like thirty hours, and then I went to a movie, and I fell asleep. Let me um, give you my falling asleep um, story <clears throat> of watching a movie. It's kind of awesome. Were you on a date? I was on a date with uh, Nicola, an ex-girlfriend. Very early on in our like, maybe the third date. <laughs> oh my god! And she wanted to see. Oh my god! This is this is the funny. She wanted to see Sleepless in Seattle. I didn't even know what it was, but it was on. It was new at the time or whatever. Uh, we went to see it. And I literally fell asleep. I don't... See, I've still never seen this movie. 
<laughs> I fell asleep in the like first five minutes and woke up at the end. Like on a date. <laughs> Pretty awesome. She kept dating you and she, then she lived. She didn't with you? know I was asleep. And she didn't want to discuss the movie and then notice that you I had said, a, a gap. I, I said to her afterwards, point. do you realize I kind of fell asleep during that movie and she just didn't notice. So there you go. And she <laughs> still dated you? Yeah. Oh my God. I know it and I feel she a little, I'll feel I, a little I, bit weird about being married to you. <laughs> <laughs> my other one is Big. You know, Tom Hanks. Speaking of Tom Hanks, Sleepless in Seattle. Big because it's the story of a kid. Oh, was he in it? I was asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, your favorite, Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks. Oh, right. In Big, it's a kid who sort of gets to live a fantasy of his to break out and be, you know, grown up and everything. And it's another one of those kid-friendly. Like when you're a kid and you feel like nobody gets you, I think that's a good one. I like Big. That. I own it on yeah. DVD, actually. <laughs> I do like it. And my other one would be Matilda, because it occurred to me as we were talking, because Matilda's absolutely... Danny DeVito wrote that one. Fantastic. Me. I mean, I really love... Matilda's a book. I, I think he wrote the book, book, though, right? I don't know. I feel or either, that, either that or he adapted it. Uh, but that's mine. Matilda's one of the best. Stop scratching your arm. What are you doing? I uh, got bit yesterday. Somehow. I know, but you're fixating. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm not fixating. <laughs> anyway, uh, this week's uh, Games and Ace Scully stuff. I was going to first talk about Castlevania Xbox Live Arcades. Hold on. Matilda was a book written by... Roll Down. Yeah. Yeah, it was. <laughs> You didn't say that. You didn't say I that knew a minute ago. Well, I just said it, but um, Danny DeVito written and directed. He directed the, it, yeah. yeah, yeah. You think he did the screenplay, didn't he? No, Nicholas Kazari. Huh. Or Kazan. Seem to remember there being a big deal about him. Anyway, I was, games and exclusive. I was going to talk about ca- the Summer of Arcade. We've talked about this for the last two weeks. The first week member of Summer of Arcade was Limbo, and then it was Hydro Thunder Hurricane. And this week was going to be Castlevania something of dissidence. Anyway, I was going to buy all five of these games, as I told you. And Can get... I say what you wrote? Because it's really funny. I'm reading our little outline thing here. N- n- well, I'm getting to this. Okay. So this week was uh, Castlevania, and I like Castlevania games, but this was one of those cases where I watched a video review of it the day before from Giant Bomb. And... I didn't lay the $15 down the day after because I could see that it was not my game. Yes, you wrote down Castlevania, no buy. Yeah, so I didn't, I didn't purchase <laughs> no buy it. So I was going to talk, that was my game to talk about this week, but I didn't buy it. I, I can tell you what it is. It's a side-scrolling um, Castlevania game. Uh, explore rooms, kill baddies, find the exit. It's like a maze kind of game. Um, it looked really bad it, I mean it was supposed to be the first Castlevania HD game but it really looked like a Game Boy game blew, blown up mm. which put me off completely so I didn't buy it so this week on Wednesday will be um, Monday Night Fighting or something it's a, it's a online kind of running man-ish mm. uh, online shooter slash team game looks kind of cool uh, an interesting brand new IP that is new so I'll, I'll probably try that one and then the week after is the Lara Croft game which is the one I'm really looking so forward to so you're not going to get your free thing because you're not buying um, if you buy three of the five mm. you get 400 points back if you buy all five you get 1200 points back but it's not worth me buying a game I don't want just to get 1200 points back is it hey, you're breaching near the corner you know what I'm saying I think the whole scheme is a scam so uh, 
Yeah, I didn't buy it, so uh, I'm going to... Castlevania, no buy. I've been playing more StarCraft 2. The game is incredible. I've been reading the strategy guide every moment I get. Um, trying to work on my multiplayer game a little bit. Is um, that the strategy guide that we hunted down on a very hot day? Oh, yeah, day? This, this week we actually got... <laughs> the, the, the strategy guide is a... Um, the, the story is, I ordered the strategy guide on Amazon... And I said last week I'm getting the, the special edition hardback with the yeah and it's all that. it's like a limited edition very limited as well they didn't actually produce a lot of them but they produced a lot of the standard edition which is a softback version of it with yeah. not everything included which they had at Best Buy which they, they had everywhere yeah. basically so this hardback version we it was a hundred degree day you ordered it from Amazon the guy finally wrote to you and said I don't have it. Yeah, which is odd. You know, sometimes when you order from Amazon and you get it straight from Amazon, mm-hmm. you're never going to have a problem because Amazon's warehouse sends you it, right? Yeah, yeah. They know they've got it, they send it here. But then occasionally, the way Amazon works, you click it and it'll say, this is going to be bought by a third-party vendor. And you say, okay, fine, if that's the only option I've got, because that is the only option. Yeah, yeah. And then you expect to get it sent to you. Well, he took my money and then a few days later said, sorry, I don't have that book. And gave me my money back. So And to... Top it off, he asked you for good feedback. He did, <laughs> which I will not give. He said, I know we couldn't provide you with the book, but could you just leave good feedback anyway? It's helpful to us. That's a good scam right there. Yeah, yeah. So well, He gave you your money back, so that's... Something. He did, quickly. But still, if this was a limited edition book, I said that to you. It's very difficult to get hold of. I, I've, in fact, I, I don't think you can get one now. We found one in this town. Yeah, uh, and I've looked online, and there's people paying $100 for this book. Because we went first to Best Buy... And they didn't have it. They had the softback. Then we went over to the laptops, which are on the internet. And then we started looking up um, things like Hastings and Target and Walmart and looking up their phone numbers from Best Buy. And I have my cell phone calling these places. Yeah. No, we don't have it. No, we don't have it. No, we don't and- have it. And then I said, um, we're right near the parking lot. There's a parking lot that has like the new GameStop in it. And I'm like, we could just go over there and see if they've got it. And he had one. One copy. And it's a fantastic. As far as, as, far as strategy guides go. This is probably the best one I've ever seen. I mean, because I'm just flipping through it here just to show you. Um, it's every single level mission, anything you would need to do, and def- multiplayer tips, which is what I wanted in the back. Um, and it's really well presented. It's all full color and glossy. And mm-hmm. and it's a hardback, as you can hear. It's just... And it came with that little... It's actually gorgeous, right? So, yeah, thing. this is the thing that you don't get in the... Um, Standard edition, and it's a A-frame level thing. What would you call this? Like a notepad? Yeah. Like a big notepad that you stand on your desk when you're playing. And it has all the maps, the multiplayer maps, and all the key locations on them. So when you're playing, you can just... So when you're playing, it's a visual reference, which is very useful. This set has helped me out quite a bit this week. Um, So... I recommend this strategy. Why don't you play that more while I'm home? I, uh, I could be a StarCraft Widow. That'd be fine. Just uh, play it a little bit more. I've played it. <laughs> I've played it so much this week. Anyway, anyway uh, I played StarCraft a lot this week. I'm still going through the campaign. But I've got um, obsessed with getting achievements in the game, right? Charming. So, so I've gone back to the first levels and I'm started playing it on hardcore mode and trying to get the hardcore achievements. So I'm not progressing in the story because I'm playing levels I've already played several times. Last night, I played the second level, which is called Outlaws. I played it six times in a row uh, when you was asleep still oh. in the afternoon. Played it six times in the row trying to get the achievement. I still didn't get it. I'm like about, you've got to finish the level in 10 minutes. I'm finishing it in 11 minutes and 12 seconds every time. So 
There must be something I'm missing. Even though my strategy guide tells me there isn't. Achievements suck. Because now the zombies... Blizzard have a really now nice... Now Plants vs. Zombies have them, and I have to get them. And I think it's, yeah, it's, I like think a, it's really stupid, and yet you're like, hey, if I get yeah. 10,000 sunshine, sunshine in this level, I could get that achievement. I'll play the same level 20 times just and, to and do me it. me too. I have that, like, gotta get them all mentality. That's pathetic. So StarCraft Two, it's an amazing game. I've, I have played online a little bit. I really, really suck. I am so bad at it. Um, I've played 10 games, and I've won zero. In the, in the ladder. So that's how I, I stand. Uh, if I win one game, and I might at some point, I'll probably jump in the air and shout. Well, the more you play offline, yeah, I'm getting get I'm getting to understand the mistakes I'm making, which is interesting. But the problem with StarCraft is, and you've got to like get in there for the long haul, you're probably going to lose... Ten games is probably not the extent of... Lo- I might lose a hundred games. I think people cheat, to be honest with you. And you say no, no but of course they do. If they're doing those cheats and the shortcuts... No, they don't, because you can. when the game's over, you can save the replay of the game and watch the entire game. So you can watch the game from their point of view. Now, I just put the camera on their side and watch the game happen. And I know what I did, Right. So it's really interesting. You put the gate camera on them and you watch it and you're like, oh, that's what he's doing. Yeah, but they're using like short, uh, no, no, it's shortcuts. Well, keyboard shortcuts are part of that game. Oh, but right. it's not, um, you see what they're doing and you go, okay, I'm, I'm not clever enough. I didn't think of that. But there we go. I've learned that strategy now. Right, I get So it. every single game I've lost, I've watched the replay and I've always and seen. And still you keep losing. You know why? Because <laughs> there's three different um, races. So you could be up against any of them. And I kind of specialize in one of the races because I don't understand the other two properly. You specialize in losing in one of them? Yeah, I specialize in losing. <laughs> but you don't know who you're going up against. And right. then you see them doing things and you're like, I didn't even know that race could do that. So it's all a learning experience. Is it's, it not in your book, these things? They're in the book. But when it just happens on the yeah. fly, you're like, okay, yeah, I did read about that, but I didn't know that that happens there. Like, and There's little tricks like... Like, if you build a big base, and it's on a ramp, well, like, you have to run up the ramp to go and attack the base. Well, there's little tricks that they do, whereas they build a structure, like another barracks. Like, they've already got a barracks. Well, they build another one, just because it's the same shape as the ramp, and stick it on the ramp so you can't get up. You have to destroy it before getting to the ramp. right, right. So there's all these kind of little strategies. And the problem, I think, is StarCraft 1, which is a very similar game, it's just older graphics has existed for 12 years. People who play StarCraft 2 have probably played StarCraft 1 also, probably on and off that whole period of time, right? They know all the little tricks. Yeah. Whereas I'm actually new to it. I didn't play StarCraft 1. So I just got a lot of learning to do. The funny thing is, it's some games, if I lost three or four, I would probably just go, oh, I'm never playing that. But this one just brings me back. I don't know why. I just want to... If I do win one or get near to winning one... You'll be like, oh, it's exciting. Again, yeah. Again, yeah. So that's StarCraft 2. We also finished the third in the Trauma Team series um, last week, which is New Trauma Blood. Center. Trauma Center New Blood. I think it. I like Trauma Team the best, which is the newest one, just obviously because they seem to get better as they go along because they figure out a little bit more how to use the Wii, I think. But New Blood was my second favourite. It, it actually is the worst. The first one's the worst. Yeah. The second one. It goes in that order. So if you like 
the trauma series on the Wii. It's a, uh, we've talked about it before, a surgeon simulator. Yeah. But with like a sci-fi in element detective. Yeah, but not in these games. Just that trauma team was the, the only newest one. one. Yeah. I would start with trauma team if, you're in, if you are not into them. Because it's definitely the most fleshed out of all the games. You mean they're going to do more? So you're not... There's going to be another one, yeah. But this Don't you think you would recommend start at the beginning? No, I wouldn't, because better? I think that first one might put you off. Oh, right. Because it's not voiced, the first one. It's just text. The operations are very, very difficult in the first one. It's like got this weird difficulty curve. I think you might never play another one again if you played that one first. Oh, yeah. So I would start with the latest one and work backwards if you liked it. I wouldn't say that about a lot of things, but that thing, that, you have to. Um, so that's Trauma Team. Um, trauma Center New Blood <laughs> on the Wii and uh, my fourth thing and my last thing is uh, I've been looking into getting an e-reader um, which most people would know an e-reader is uh, Amazon Kindle or Sony e-reader an electronic or, book uh, yeah they're called e-readers mm. electronic book yeah e-reader uh, or Barnes and Noble make one called The Nook um, I've been looking into buying one I've been investigating them on and off and the prices came down recently um, I mean they were always like three, four hundred dollars and the prices have come down to like one fifty, one twenty. Um and I've been looking into them and I do read a lot funnily enough not novels but I do kind of read everything I can get my hands you on do, yeah. I, I, so I decided to get one which I'll go and pick one up tomorrow I'm going to get the Barnes and Noble Nook because I've investigated them and I do own a few ebooks already, and the ones I own I didn't purchase from Amazon. Right. So they wouldn't work on a Kindle. And the Nook actually supports non. Ones you can get from different places. Ones you can get from. Different... And that work on your PC as well. Yes. Right, right. Ones that work, yeah, exactly. So I've got some books already in my documents folder that I can just drag onto the Nook and they're ready to go. Uh, and then we was browsing through um, Barnes and Noble's ebook store last night, and I was kind of surprised at the prices of books. It's. Um, most books are half price on the uh, Nook, which is good. I mean, yeah. it's saving paper. Um, I do, you do have to invest in a device up front, but as far as after that, you um, your books I'll be are half price. Interested to see what you think of it. Yeah, I'd be interested. Just like I say to you, I just want one. It'll be at the side of my bed. I'll probably read it every night before I go to sleep. Um, get back into. I, I want to read American Psycho. Again, I Which read it. I just went into the other room and, and gave a, you the got book. Me a, the book? I mean, the actual book. I that actually you own the ebook me. also. <laughs> I'll probably read the ebook. I've never read an ebook. But you're like, so. oh, I want to read the American Psycho. I'm like, I have that. You gave it to me. Like, you're like, no, we probably can't find it. And I, in yeah, 10 seconds, I walked in the other room and came back and laid it on your desk. And you're like, you're still going to read it on the ebook. So, anyway, the Nook um, actually doesn't just do novels, it also has built in Wi Fi. And you can um, actually subscribe to magazines, New York Times, all kinds of things. So, it's even like. Get out ele- your credit card! Even things like Electronic Gaming Monthly have. Um, Mm. The, the ebook versions of them. So. Plus, if you go on Barnes & Noble, you can read anything for free. Yeah, interestingly enough, they have a come to Barnes & Noble with your nook in your bag and pull it out and you can read the entire library. Um, and also, they have free days where you can go and get a free book. Mm. It's kind of to encourage you to use it. Sure. But I'll be interested in it and we'll see what it looks like tomorrow. Um, now, when you put nook on the outline, I'm thinking Animal Tom Crossing. Nook. Tom Nook from yeah. Animal Crossing. Uh, Nook's an interesting name. 
for a yeah like a book nook yeah a reading nook yeah reading nook um you cozy up in your little nook and you read exactly <laughs> so yeah I will pu- I will purchase one tomorrow and I'll talk about it next week on the show um see, see how it goes yeah in fact maybe just maybe we will do a YouTube thing hmm Tomorrow, if I, we buy it tomorrow, yeah. maybe we'll video opening it and looking at it. Right. You could video. Okay. Well, I have a meeting tomorrow night, so it'll have to be squeezing around there. If that doesn't happen, <laughs> I will tell you about it. <laughs> okay. All right, so that's my stuff for this week. Um, What's for dinner, did you say? Yes. What's for dinner? I did. Veggie burgers on whole wheat buns, as you requested. Fries of some description. We have the cottage fries and the... Oh, no, waffle fries, and I got some curly fries. We're talking Orida here. Frozen, and we bake them. Which is always delicious with loads of ketchup. And uh, some peas. A very boring dinner, but... And for dessert, Suki Stackhouse. <laughs> All right. <laughs> or while we eat dinner. It is. It, no, not while we eat dinner, because... Uh, yeah, I like to be in the dark. And yeah, like so it's that. true blood tonight. That's all, that's all I was saying, so yeah. We no, he already had Suki for dinner a couple episodes ago, remember? Yeah, he did. Um, That's it for supper. And then I got that bag of Pillsbury brownie bites, because I, I was really craving something. I had one of something. those today, actually. Yeah, I know. And they are, they got caramel. Oh my God, they're delicious. They're not healthy or anything, but I was like walking in the store thinking, oh, I really want something. And that was what fell into the cart. It just jumped off the thing into the cart. Absolutely delicious. If you like brownies, like that deep, fudgy tasting brownie with the hard, crunchy top frosting. Oh my God, they're delicious. Pillsbury brownie bites, I think they're called. They're just, yeah, pretty good. Oh Yeah. And, you know, eat a couple and it's good. And they're just little bite-sized. I had one yesterday and one today. One's, one's my favorite. I had four yesterday and three today. So there might be one left. I don't know. <laughs> That's mine for tomorrow. <laughs> That's why I started doing the yoga thing again with the Wii. Because I figure I burn about 100 calories doing that. I'll eat me up 100, maybe 300 calories worth of something else. And that you balances can do that, out. Yeah. Get on the treadmill for half an hour. Run. And then you can have In my mind, I burn 100, I can eat 300. Right, so right. that's how it works. Pretty good. Um, and then the last thing is, uh, for me, this creativity thing. I wasn't mentioning to you. I wasn't mentioning to you. No. Like, sometimes, like, I, oh, the yeah, the caricature thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Learning yeah. to draw caricatures. I, I have this thing where if I'm going to draw... I always want it to turn out to be something I like. I'm not talking about not flawed or not crooked or not, you know, because my drawings aren't like what you... It's not like a drawing of a horse in a field or anything. It's kind of weird and abstract or whatever. But I always want to like and be, like, satisfied with the end. Like, I wasn't sure about this chick. I did a face and I did a bunch of lines around her. Yeah, listeners don't know what you're talking Yeah, I'm holding up a drawing that I did just the other night, just with pen. I did a face in the corner, kind of, of a woman looking over. I like it. And then I just started drawing, like, flowy lines everywhere. Just not, like, precise or anything. Just drawing it. And as I'm doing it, I'm thinking, oh, I'm not loving this, but I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Tell you what it it reminds me of. And then I had it sitting in the living room against the curtain, and you said, it looks like... An angel, but can I also tell you what else it looks like? <laughs> Not that I like angels. Remember but... the Dreamcast game, Seaman? <laughs> yes. It also reminds me of Seaman. See, now I don't like it anymore. <laughs> you just ruined it. But Seaman was awesome, come on. It was not, it was weird. It was very Seaman. weird. No, she's not like that at all. But during caricatures, I can't. Oh, Seaman. There's so much to know about it. Now, people who do it and just can do it, fair enough. But I can't, or I think I can't. Therefore, I don't. Do you know and every what? time I sit down to do it... I'm I know you can. 
<laughs> and it's really hard when you say, you were doing car- learning to or trying to do yeah. a caricature the other day, and what the picture that you drew, which was a picture of our nephew because he was the one who sat opposite you, it's actually a good picture of like I can't draw anything, right? So, <laughs> so your so your judgment then? No, is, is... I mean to me it looked like a drawing, like a really good drawing of, but it wasn't a caricature. Right. It was more like a, just a picture of him. Right. Um. So obviously you've got something to learn, uh, bits to learn. But to me, that would inspire me to learn it. It does, but then I'm afraid. Uh, the yeah, creativity thing is... I should be afraid of StarCraft too, right? I lose all the time. And I'd tell you, if you don't like it, quit. I, so that's I my... do like it, though. <laughs> I want to get back. <laughs> but my mind, I don't work that way, necessarily, right. with the creativity thing. It's, a, it's like you sit down with the pen in your hand and the paper there, and I want... For me, a lot of the drawing is the doing, right? Like sitting there with that chick and drawing the lines and following the lines and the feeling of it and the touch of my hand on the pen and cozy... Kind of like a person who's reading or you playing your game, I guess, or someone who's watching a football game or whatever. When you're in that moment, the thing itself is so satisfying. But I don't ever have an end goal, you see. I never never think to myself, in the end, this is going to look like a chick with a bunch of lines out of her head. It just happens. And as I'm doing it, I will stop halfway through, tear it up, throw it away, because I know I'm not going anywhere, that I'm going to feel satisfied, or that I'm going to want to keep that and look at it again and again. With a caricature or drawing a person's face or drawing a horse in a field, everyone knows what it looks like. Everyone knows what it's supposed to look like. Everyone expects it to look a certain way. That's when my I, my brain freezes. Right. This is not going to be the way it's going to be expected to be, and therefore I cannot do it. Mm. Now, I know I can, right? If I really focused on it. But it's so defeating when you have to try and try and try and it's never right not that it's wrong but it's really hard to describe that's the that's like a curse of the creative thing i guess you some people like my mom she paints right and she'll just get her paintbrush and glob a bunch of paint and she'll get a painting of a bridge and some trees and a river and it looks really good and yet she's thinking there's just something off like i've painted this house and what's wrong with it it doesn't look right and i'll say well this line of the wall isn't in perspective with the top line and oh oh you're right she'll fix it glob on some more paint and when i say glob my mom likes to glob her paint she sticks her paintbrush right in the end of the tube of the paint and then just sticks it on acrylic or oil doesn't matter and uh and then she'll fix that quote-unquote mistake and then she's happy with it well my drawings don't have mistakes because there's no goal right right so when, I, when you say to me, draw a caricature of me, you already have in your mind, and so does every other person, what a caricature of you should look like, and now I'm up against this brick wall of expectation. That is where I stop. I like, oh, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. So yeah, that's what I have to... Overcome. Yeah, and I also have this conservation of paper, and you say, well, just do a bunch, and if they're all wrong, but I think I want to use every piece of paper like it's precious. I even flip stuff over and Buy draw on the Buy some shitty back. paper, then. Cheap doesn't matter. And just sketch it's still it. a piece of paper that in, if I'm drawing on it, I want it to end up being something I, mean, I want to treasure. that's nice paper, though. Card or whatever. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You could give me a piece of typing paper or an envelope. I still want that thing that when I'm done for it to be something I want to look at over and over and over. So it's just that. Well, you've got issues then, so. Issues. <laughs> I need to research it some more and maybe I'll... You won't pose for me because you have no patience. Um, so there's my first... Uh, if, you, if I'm sat there doing something, reading or 
You still move all the time. Yeah, I'm not going to sit absolutely still for hours. Mm. And I'm slow as well. When I draw a person, I'm really slow. Right. But I've got it in me. It's just the... I should be That's like James. I should be like, <laughs> I should be like James and conquer my fear. Because it's in my mind. And what do I tell people when they give me that bullshit about not being able to do something? Yeah. What do I say? It's in your mind. Uh-huh. And here I am saying I can't it do something. It absolutely is in your mind what you're talking about. It's in my mind and in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's... Uh, All right, by next week I'll be a professional caricature artist. You will. And, <laughs> I, and I'll be a professional reader. <laughs> so, um, also I want to say uh, thank you to you for buying me the Nook for my birthday present. I didn't, I didn't. But I you, gave you some money. You gave me $100, so that would go towards it. Very nice. All right, so... Um, that is after. What the about sh- the eight dollars that you happen to very happen just by happenstance be short the day we went to buy your lovely Starcraft book? You had thirty bucks, and you handed it to me as if like I'm going to magically pull the other eight dollars out of my ass. And I'm like, well, did you want me to cover the rest? And you're like, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So deduct that eight dollars from the hundred, right. refund it to me, and then no, I'm just teasing. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, it's like going to dinner with some dude and him going, "Oh crap, I forgot my wallet." <laughs> well, I, I actually, when we went out to buy the um, strategy guide, everywhere that I'd seen online that said they had it in stock, which none of them do anymore, they said it was nineteen ninety nine. Mm. It happened to be thirty five in EB Games. Yeah, so I did pay over the odds. GameStop. Uh, GameStop. So we did pay over the odds for it. Because I was expecting to pay. We didn't. That's why I only had $30. <laughs> I did. Yeah, you, you paid the 8 so thank you very much. Sure. For, uh, that's part of my Christmas present. I, this coming Christmas, yeah. yeah. We'll deduct that from the... the All right, t- so t- um, thanks for listening to the show. I would tell you what number of the show it was, but... 134. Uh, 134. On, the, on there, I cannot see it. Um, so I want to remind you about our website. It's ascully.com and sidtalk.com. Even though yours is first on that list, I will never read it Sidtalk.com, where you can read all kinds of interesting <clears throat> things, see some of my artwork if you're so inclined to see what I'm talking about. When I say my drawings are just my own in- creational inventions... Uh, also, the other day, I'm also on Etsy.com. I've got a shop there. I'm not saying go buy anything. I'm saying I made a little treasury, which is what they call it on Etsy, E-T-S-Y, of a bunch of drawings that I found one night when I was searching, because I love drawing. Black and white drawing, pen and ink, pencil. So I put together a set. So if you go to SidTalk.com, you could, I mean, SidTalk on Etsy, you could probably find my treasury as well. If you like drawings. That's on it. com if you're interested in movies, and you probably are if you're listening to this podcast. Um, Twitter.com, Facebook.com, Xbox Live, PlayStation Network, YouTube, Tumblr, all kinds of places on the web. You can find either me or you, Facebook. Uh, you can find this podcast on the Zoom Marketplace, the iTunes Music Store, or go to com. click on the word podcast, subscribe, listen on the page. Get when it in your Google Reader. That's my favorite place to go now, to read all the different blogs and things yeah, that I can use it. with. Um, also, if you... Um, use an iPhone um, you can listen to it straight on your iPhone um, really? yeah because that pay, uh, iPhone has a browser um, you can go to that page you can just click play on the. but if you have an iPhone you probably have iTunes on there right? you can also do it that way iTunes also but yeah there's plenty of ways to do it um, and you said you'd like to see what your site looks like on an iPhone if someone wants to send you a yeah I don't I think we use WordPress for com. I think WordPress has a URL that leads you to a mobile version of the site. I'm not particularly sure what it is. I'm going to have to look into yeah. it. But or, or WordPress defaults to a different view if you look at it on a mobile device. 
But uh, yeah, I'd be interested to know if anyone wants to send me a photograph, because I do not have an iPhone. A picture of com on an iPhone. Um, just so I can see how it's laid out. Possi- preferably the podcast page. So I will see if that arrives this week in my email. ascolyascolyacom You can look at it on the Zoom, right? Yes, we could also look at it on the Zoom. And that's what it would probably look like. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we both have Zooms. Yes. I have a Zoom. Yeah, we'll check it out. So, um, yeah. I love my Zoom, by the way. I just love it. Um, and you can email me, if you want to email me that photograph of uh, com on an iPhone, uh, ascully at com, which is A-S-C-U-L-L-Y. You can, don't bother email Sid Talk, she doesn't care. And I want to say stay classy. Um, stay classy, James. <laughs> I'm going to say think for yourself, because if you don't, somebody will do it for you. <laughs> <laughs>